you in turn are the vacation, okay? So the person is coming back to you. You are the destination. More on this in this episode of Stationed with Stories. Station with Stories. That's it. All right. You are listening to Stationed with Stories. I am your host, Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. And before we get started, let me just let you know that these are all my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts. And they do not represent or reflect the positions, opinions, or views of the U.S. Armed Forces in any way. All right, y'all. Let's jump right into it. Hi, peeps. I am... As always, excited about this topic. I've been really, really thinking about this topic, y'all, because this is my life. Listen, this mill spouse life is still quite full of surprises. I mean, honestly, I, like I tell y'all, I don't know anything. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I am not an expert in this mill spouse life. It is all news to me. And, um, yeah, we're going to get into the topic in a little while, but before we get there, let's start how we always start with the book. And, you know, shout out to all of the listeners who have been with me from the beginning. Hey, y'all, you know, you're always welcome. And for those who are new to the podcast, you are in the right place. And the book that I read this past week is Aftershocks by Nadia Owusu. It came out in 2021 and it is a memoir. Now, it's been a little time, a couple episodes since I did a memoir. I tend to like this genre, okay? So it was fun jumping back into another. It was fun jumping back into another memoir. Now, how did I pick up this title? I actually had a friend mention the author, just mention the author, and It was in a way, you know how people mention something or someone as if you should know about them? And I was thinking to myself, wait, should I know about this author? Am I missing something? And so she said the author's name and I was thinking to myself, mental note, look her up. And so I did. And I saw that she had a memoir and that it came out not long ago, 2021. And so I'm thinking, okay, go ahead and read this, okay? All right, so for my three words, uncertain, looping, unspooled. Okay, so for uncertain, I would say that this particular memoir was very uncertain in tone. And let me just say that I actually had the chance to listen to the author read this. So I listened to the audio version of the book. It's read by the author. And I feel like that adds a little extra layer to the story, just hearing it in her voice, her own story. And it felt very uncertain. I say that because from the very beginning, she makes it clear that it is memoir that's based on memory and memories are fraught, which I agree with. You know, the way that things are remembered are usually never exactly how they happened. And she she says that. And I feel like it's repeated at certain key moments and certain very hard or fraught moments in the narrative, in this, this story that she's telling, is that, hey, 
I am just telling the truth the way I saw it, but I know that it's not capital T truth. I know it is my memory that is that is fraught, that is not perfect, that a lot of times, right, we add our own imagination. <laughs> it is not it's not intentional, right? The way we remember things, it seems to be exactly how they happen or more or less how they happen. But a lot of times our memories, right, are woven together with pieces of the truth mixed up with pieces of imagination that come together. And so she says that a couple of times, it just made me feel like she was a little uncertain about how this book was going to be taken by those around her. That's how I felt, particularly her second mother. I don't know if she ever calls her her stepmother, but she talks about having two mothers, right? Um, Her birth mother and her father's second wife. And I just felt like mm, part of it, part of that tone felt like, yes, this is going to be hard for some people to swallow the way that I tr- tell the truth, my memory. And I just want to say to all of those reading or listening that these are my memories and the other people who are involved in this story will likely have a different memory of it. So that was interesting, that uncertainty piece. Just just something about the story felt a bit tentative, a little bit uncertain. It wasn't like a bold proclamation of this is what happened and this is how I felt about it. This this memoir was a bit uncertain in tone for me, okay? So the second word, looping. Now, structure-wise, and she also tells you that she is not going to go linearly through her story. There's a looping motion. So you you start off in childhood, and then you fast forward into adulthood, and then you go back into an earlier childhood memory, and then you fast forward into a teen, adolescent memory, and then you push further into the future into a... 20s, late 20s memory. So there's a lot of looping in this story. So much so that I didn't always know what was coming next or what I didn't really read it as like a a story that all connected chapter by chapter. It was almost like little vignettes. Okay. So she had chapters that were almost self-contained. Like she could maybe even publish them as individual essays, okay? Very interesting. So there's no linear motion to the story. And sometimes, you know, between chapters, there's not a strong connection, right? You have the connection of this is her story and the overall overarching dominance of father, her dad raising her and her mother abandoning her. That that's that's what weaves everything together, right? But in the individual stories, there is there's a looping, right, between stories that's not necessarily connecting exactly from you know chapter to chapter. So that was interesting, just the structure. And then I say unspooled. The story is unspooled, and I don't even know if that's a word, y'all. To be honest, but unspooled, just think about a spool of thread, and you know, it's bound together and sold often, right? Different colors, right? You know what you're getting though, because you're getting this thread. It tells you how long it is, you know, you when you get it, 
In this particular memoir, I felt like the story was a bit unspooled. And what I mean by that is that it was, everything was kind of laid out. It was tightly bundled together. These stories, the, I mean, there's a big story, you know, S, big S, capital S story, but these smaller stories within her story are just laid out there and you get to sit with it. You get to sit with those individual moments. Culture is very important. Language is very important. And it's just laid out there. It's not neatly woven in a way that's prepackaged and she gives it to you and you know exactly what to do with it. No, I think she gives the story a sense of openness, a sense of being unwound so that the reader can then take it and do with it as they they wish or interpret it in this case as they might interpret it. But it, it's very interesting. Some very strong stories, a very strong sense of loss and abandonment throughout. And, and then also interwoven with history. I thought it was very interesting. This may be one of the, not the first, but it, it may be one of those stories, rare memoirs where I feel like a lot of space on the page was also given to just general knowledge teaching. So she talks about her dad being from, uh, being Ashanti and he has a really important role in her life development. And so she wants to know about her father's lineage. And so through that journey, right, we get to see how she is taught about her dad and the history and her country, her dad's country of origin being from Ghana. We learned a little bit about mom, but once once again, I say that this is really a story of abandonment from mom and this embracing from dad and and then, of course, second mom and her importance in her life as well. So a lot going on here. But there's an interesting part in the book where she talks about the Ashanti people. She talks about uh, Ghanaian history. It's fascinating. It's really fascinating, but it's it's kind of jarring. I didn't expect to see that in the memoir. So, I, of course, being me, I love to learn things. And so it was interesting. But it was it was very much, like I said, unspooled, like a, a lot going on, a lot of not very tightly bound together in terms of the, the individual stories. And then, of course, this history that she presents to you. So that is that uncertain, looping, unspooled, very powerful, uh, very interesting in terms of its style, the way it's written, very different from many memoirs that I've read and reviewed for the podcast. So there we go. The book is Aftershocks by Nadia Awusu. Came out in 2021. Go check it out if you so choose. All right, y'all, moving on to the topic of the day. Y'all, so, you know, like I said at the beginning, I'm living this life. I have been looking forward to talking about this particular process that I have gone through recently, which is that pre-homecoming process. Now, by the time this airs, there will have been, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see some of what's been happening and uh, specifically with the homecoming. And I'll talk about homecoming next week. But y'all, the pre-homecoming phase, right? For those meal sponsors, you know, before the 
military member gets home, especially, you know, on long deployments, there is a process, okay? A process. Uh, it's, it's funny, just prepping for homecoming. And y'all, it, let's let's start here. There was about, what, what was it, maybe six to nine months ago, there was a ship that came home in Japan. It was a ship, it's a carrier, really, really big ship that carries aircraft, right? So the planes have a runway on this ship. It's huge, huge, right? And a lot of people's spouses and, and you know, those who were partners or, you know, individual single sailors, they were all on the ship. And so anything that happened with the ship was big news on the base, even though there are many other ships that were attached to that base. This particular ship, I think they had the most number of people, the biggest population on the ship, uh, on any ship on that base. So y'all, I remember one person posted right around the time the ship was coming in. She posted a picture of shaving gel and a razor and basically saying, you know, everyone is in the next, of course, we're a Navy community. So this is a Navy exchange, but you know, there are different communities, PX, people know about PX next. Anyway, so she just said, <laughs> that was the post. This is what people are going to be doing in the next, right? Getting the shave gel and getting the razor. And I thought it was funny at the time, but it's real, y'all. So I I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. I, it got me to thinking all the things, all the things got me to thinking, you know, getting ready for a homecoming is like an anti-trip, okay? Or a reverse trip, a reverse vacation, right? Instead of you going somewhere to go on vacation, to go on a trip, you in turn are the vacation, okay? So the person is coming back to you. You are the destination, okay? You got to get the destination ready, okay? And And of course for me, it's just me, but for families, right? The you and the kids, y'all are the destination. You are the vacation, okay? So you got to get the vacation ready. Just imagine you getting ready to go on vacation and the place you're going, the hotel, the resort, the whatever, is not ready. You come to check in and there's nobody at the desk. You know, the room is all unsorted. I mean, things are not, you got to get the place ready. And so y'all, that was really what my life was in the last week. I mean, when I say I was getting my vac- the vacation ready, I was the vacation, okay? Getting these grocery lists together. And you know, if you've been through this, right? The military member, right? They go off, your spouse or whoever, right? They go off and you're at home and you get to do how you like to do things, okay? And so for me, my husband and I, we have different eating habits, we both love sweets, so we can agree on that. But I currently don't eat meat. I am pescatarian, and he is a meat eater, okay? So not not a lick of chicken, not a lick of beef, pork, none, none of that was in the house before about a week ago, okay? But because I am the vacation, I got to get the vacation together. I had to get these grocery lists. Y'all, you know, you can try to think about all the special things they like. And so I'm like, okay, you know, what was it? Okay, he likes the special, this type of mustard. He has, let me get that mustard. He likes this type of, you know, I just had to get that together. I also thought about, you know, talking to 
other spouses. And that's another part of it. It's just getting reacquainted with the people who are also the vacation. Okay. They also are welcoming people back home, just talking to them about what they're doing. And another thing that I found we were all doing was cleaning and organizing. Okay. So y'all already know if you follow me, uh, if you have been with the podcast, you know, I'm in that phase of just moved. (laughs) We knew here, we trying to figure out life (laughs) in this new duty station. And so the whole place is just, it is what it is. Okay. Everything does not already have a home. I'm still sorting things out, but at the same time, because I'm the vacation, because I am the main attraction, right? I had to get some things together. And so we're just talking, swapping notes about trying to clean things up or straighten things up, organize things, because that's just what you do, right? That's just what you do in that pre-process. The other thing that I found that was pretty funny uh, was just trying to get a sense of like what to wear at the homecoming. Yeah. Y'all, and I'm and I'm not gonna get too much into the homecoming because that's gonna be its own episode. But right, you just try to figure out, you know, you gotta make the vacation special. The, the vacation has to be special, right? So you're trying to get it together. And so y'all, I had all types of things. I'm like, what we gonna cook on the first day, you know, of vacation, him coming back home, right? I am the main attraction. It's the reverse trip, the anti-trip situation right that pre-homecoming phase I had to plan all these things out okay at least for me because we already know with the military oh you're not gonna be able to plan too much okay so for the things you can plan I'm on top of it listen I am trying to plan the things I can plan and so from like meals to like what I'm gonna wear to like where to organize different things and put things so they're very convenient for him to get to all these things, all these things going to pre-homecoming. But let me tell you what one of the, the more lively aspects of homecoming was. And this is what I had in my mind before, you know, I was a military spouse. What homecoming looked like was a lot of, a lot of different people standing around with posters and hugging and kissing. And meeting new babies, right? And so a really cool thing happened. A couple of spouses and I got together and we created posters. Yeah, it was so cute. And I had never done this before. Granted, my husband has been on a deployment before, but it was a short deployment. And, you know, with the short deployments, there's no major fanfare to it. But this was major because... They literally home port shifted. The ship moved homes, okay, from Japan to the U.S., to Washington. So it was a big deal. And we're all like, you know, talking to one another. And thankfully, one of the spouses, shout out to Isabel, she hosted this gathering at her house. And we had snacks and we painted posters and the kids were making their own posters. And we had, look, glitter galore, paint galore, color pencils, markers, and we are getting our posters together. Now, I'll tell y'all next week what my posters said, but really we just had a lot of fun. And that was all part of the pre-homecoming experience, just getting 
the vacation ready because we are the vacation. We are the main event. And, you know, there's a little bit of pressure to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of pressure to that. All good pressure. It's exciting. It was super exciting to be in the pre-homecoming phase. So it is definitely a memory that I will cherish and, you know, just hold on with me. Just that memory of all the things that went into that pre-homecoming of my husband and his ship before this home portion. So there it is. All right, y'all. So moving on to the last portion of the podcast, I am going to read for you another flash fiction piece, original. And I had a lot of fun with this, y'all. The piece is called Picky Eater. Clotta kicked her boots through the dry earth, sending a dust cloud flying directly at her older sister Rosa's back. Stop, Clotta, Rosa yelled, head swiveling back to stare at her little sister menacingly. I don't want to be here, Clotta moaned, dropping her head to sulk. Today is an important day, her grandfather declared, smokers rasp in his deep voice, drinkers pouch for a belly. It's time you girls learn about tomatoes. The vast Mississippi Delta in front of them was filled with rows of brown and green speckled with ruby red ripe tomatoes. Workers made their way through the fields all around them, plucking and stripping tomatoes from the vine, tossing them gently into bins. I'm ready, Rosa declared, arms shooting up as if waiting to be called upon. But abuelo, Clara pouted little legs, hurrying to keep up. I don't like tomatoes. Her grandfather grunted. Her sister turned to shake her head in shame. How could an Hernandez not like tomatoes? How could a Mexican not like los tomates? The family tried to bury the shame with extra helpings of salsa verde, but the girls shunned tomatillos. They mounted pico de gallo atop homemade tacos de camarón, and the little girl refused to eat. They tried sliced tomatoes in gringo-style salads or stewed down into soups or vinegared or pickled or fried or sautéed, but nothing her parents did could make their niñita eat tomatoes of any form. So she'll starve, her mother said. Send her to papa, her father said. So they did. Shipped their little Clara, along with her big sister Rosa, off from Texas to rural Arkansas, where all the family had settled and farmed so that the little girl could come to appreciate Tomato's divinity. Bimpaka, her grandfather said, stooping down over a row of the ripe fruit. He picked a firm, bright orb from the vine and took a big bite. Rosa grabbed her own tomato unprompted and ate hers like an apple. Seeing Clara's hesitancy, their grandfather picked one for her and proffered it. Comatelo, he said, urging her to eat the tomato. One bite and you'll fall in love. 
Her sister smacked her tomato juice-laden lips in exaggeration, just staring at her. But Clara shook her head. Love a tomato? She highly doubted it. All right, y'all, that is it for this episode. I hope you are already following me on Instagram. It is at stationed underscore story. You can find me there. But of course, the podcast, y'all, the podcast, all that you need is on the website. The website is stationwithstories.com. You can find all of the podcast audio there if you're not already listening on an app, it is there. And you can also find all of the flash fiction, the poetry. Sometimes I share short essays with you all. So you can find all of those there. And you can also communicate with me via the website. And y'all, if you have not left a review, leave a review and leave some stars. And not just some stars, leave all of them. All of those stars. Give the podcast all of the stars because, yeah, you need to let people know that you love Station with Stories. And that is it. This is Station with Stories. My name is Kalija Hollis Jesse, and I will be back here next week to share more. Bye, peeps. <laughs>